Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, and looking forward to this next synod, things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. We also want to say thank you to everyone who sponsored us on Patreon. We're slowly making our way to our modest goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com slash themessyreformation. You can also support us for free by sharing our content. I'm a terrible self-marketer and everyone knows that now, so I need your help. If you know of anyone who would benefit from listening to this content, let them know about the Messy Reformation. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Lincoln Russ. So Lincoln, why don't you uh, just kick us off, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and uh, what you do for a living. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, So I grew up in Sioux Center, Iowa. Uh, It's a small rural farm community, um, same place as Dort College, uh, where I attended undergrad. Uh, I grew up in the CRC. Um, My parents faithfully uh, took me to church Um, every Sunday, uh, was very... uh, you know, very involved in, in my local youth group, um, been in Christian school, uh, genuinely since I was four years old. Uh, so went to Sioux Center Christian and then Unity, Dort. Uh, I was a middle school teacher at a small Christian school and, uh, I'm currently a full-time student at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Um, hoping to get into uh, pastoral ministry. Uh, once I graduate, I should be graduating, uh, in May 2024, uh, Lord willing, uh, and then I'm a part-time intern um, at my local church, St. Paul's. It's a PCA church um, just north of downtown Orlando. Uh, and then also doing a little work at admissions for RTS, uh, trying to do some recruiting there as well. So that's the the, the quick uh, what, what's going on. Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't you, uh, what, what kind of, what was your path into ministry? Was this something you've always kind of known as a kid, like I'm going to be in ministry or did this yeah. come kind of later on? Yeah. So coming out of high school, um, I knew I wanted to work with kids. Uh, I'm I'm very passionate about that. Uh, So I knew I wanted to do either education, um, youth ministry or uh, or child psychology. Uh, Education was just the biggest credit load. So I started with that, um, really fell in love with that, thought I was going to be doing that for the rest of my life. Um, But then in my in my last year of college, my pastor and my youth pastor at the time, so Bob Palama and then Chad Van Ginkle, who are both pastors in the CRC, um, said, hey, Lincoln, we think um, you should start praying about seminary. Uh, we're not saying you have to go. We're not saying you have to do ministry. Um, but that's definitely something you should start praying about. And 
if I'm being honest, it was, it was pretty lackluster prayers, uh, for a couple of years there. Like if it came up while I was praying, um, you know, I'd ask the Lord for direction in that. Uh, but it, it rarely came up. Uh, like I said, if we're being honest and then in my third year, um, of teaching, uh, I underwent some pretty significant, um, spiritual growth due to just some, some life circumstances that were going, going on. And, and in that really started, um, feeling a tug, uh, towards seminary and towards ministry. Part of that was I'd had, uh, two mentors who are pastors in the PCA, um, who'd been investing in me quite a lot, um, for those two, two and a half years. Uh, so I started praying about it, um, pretty fervently and really started feeling that internal call. And I was out, um, I was getting a beer with my mentor, uh, Zach Tarter, and I vividly remember it. I was going to ask him whether or not he, he thought, um, that I was being called to seminary and we sat down, uh, we're looking out the window and before I could ask him, uh, he said, so Lincoln, if you weren't teaching, what would you be doing with your life? And I laughed and I said, well, Zach, that's, uh, that's what I actually wanted to talk to you about. Um, I think, I think God's calling me to seminary. Um, I think, uh, I want to get into pastoral ministry and he was extremely affirmative in that. Um, my other mentor was my church, my family, uh, all were affirming in that. So then, that just began uh, a string of an unignorable amount of doors uh, opening up just kind of one after the other. Uh, I got to go visit my seminary um, financially got provided for uh, to make seminary possible a living position or a living uh, space, you know, opened up to make living in Orlando, which is not the cheapest uh, made that possible. And then really just the last several years, um, God's continued to open doors. Uh, I've spent the last two summers in um, Signal Mountain, Tennessee, doing a full-time pastoral internship uh, over there. Uh, this coming summer, I'm actually going to be spending uh, the summer in Ireland uh, doing a pastoral internship in the Republic and then also in Northern Ireland. Um, so God's been been very faithful in opening doors and uh, just continuing to affirm that, that ministry is the right path. That's awesome. That's a great, that's a great story. I love that. I love that trajectory. And I also love that you mentioned Chad Van Ginkle because Chad and I are, are good buddies and, and we, go, <laughs> we go way back. So shout out to Chad because I think he yeah. was for once Amen. in a while. He's, uh, he's an important part of, of yeah. Lincoln growing up in the faith. So yeah. And I guess I want to, I want to jump on that a little bit because I, I want to encourage more pastors and, and youth pastors to be to be doing that good work, right? To be looking out at your congregation and seeing the gifts and talents of the the young men in your church, and then kind of prodding them to to step into these roles of ministry. I, I was just talking with some guys in Sioux Center mm-hmm. a few days ago, and encouraging them that you know, as churches, we really need to be doing the work of raising up leaders and pastors, Absolutely. and not trying, not just kind of sitting back saying, "Well, the colleges <laughs> or the seminaries will do that." No, we need to be doing the work of raising them up and kind of releasing them and, and, and sending them forth into, into ministry. So I want to keep encouraging that. I love the story with Chad kind of poking you a little bit. And uh, oh, absolutely. he actually, uh, when I was in high school, um, he was my youth pastor again, like I said, and, uh, he told me, um, Hey, we, we need some guys, uh, to be on the, the youth leadership team. And so I, I started doing that and I asked him about it a couple of years later. And I was like, did you really like, did you actually need me? And he's like, no, I just thought you'd be good. Uh, and I wanted to, I wanted to push you to do that. Cause I knew you weren't going to do that on your own. Um, so he'd, he'd, he'd been pushing more than just uh, that one time in college as well. Awesome. So he'd definitely been investing. 
Awesome. Faithful ministry, right? Faithful Amen. ministry keeps, keeps doing that. So the, the question I always have to ask then and is, uh, you know, being a, a CRC boy coming out of Sioux Center, um, getting called into seminary, you did not choose to go to Calvin Seminary. You chose to go to <laughs> RTS. So yeah. uh, what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I think um, probably the biggest thing, uh, I was already in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, that's where I was teaching middle school. and. Okay. Um, uh, when I talked to both my mentors, um, they uh, they both uh, one had just graduated from RTS Orlando, and one was getting his doctor of ministry from RTS. Uh, so when I told them I was thinking about seminary, uh, they both said to me, "Well, hey, uh, you know, RTS is the only option." Uh, you know, just being uh, big yeah. big fans of their alma maters. Um, so I think a big part of it was just a lot of the doors um, opened up and made sense uh, in terms of um, pursuing RTS Orlando. And then, um, you know, it all love uh, to uh, my, my brothers and sisters at, at Calvin as well. I just um, I think part of it as well was just the, uh, the the rigorous nature, I think, of RTS, but then also just the current trajectory of both of the seminaries. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, RTS Orlando uh, was a little more attractive um, just in terms of where it looks like things are going or where it looks like things have been going um, for the last little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And has your experience been really good at RTS? Has it been what you were expecting it to be? I honestly, um, like I, I get paid to tell people that I love RTS, um, <laughs> but I, I genuinely like it has been such a huge blessing um, in talking to a lot of my pastor friends um, who are already in ministry, telling them about my experience, about my about my access to my professors on like a personal level. Uh, they're normally like blown away. Um, so I've, you know, had a meal or been over to the house of I think every one of my professors at this point. Um, I've walked into their offices Um you know, to, to talk about school things. I've walked into their offices uh, to celebrate things that are not related to school at all. And I've, I've done the same um, to, to mourn about just things that are be things that are going on in life and things that are difficult. And uh, they've all been extremely faithful and not only investing in me as a student, but just as a person. Um, So when I've been in the low uh, and in the pit, um, they've, prayed with me and they've, um, been concerned for me and, and helped me. And when I'm celebrating, um, the joys of life, they're, they're right there with me, um, celebrating as well. So that's been just in terms of professors, that's been such a huge blessing and the community as well. Uh, I think has been awesome. Um, RTS is technically non-denominational functionally. It's a Presbyterian seminary. Um, but there's like 30 denominations represented on campus. Um, and as someone who grew up, uh, you know, not, not necessarily knowing any better, but uh, finding out that I was like extremely dogmatic on a lot of things um, during that period of spiritual growth in my third year of teaching, I kind of hit like a theological reset um, and I'm growing back into uh, being dogmatic on things, but in a much mm-hmm. more winsome way. Yeah. Uh, so I've, you know, joked that some of my best friends on campus are Baptists uh, and it's a it's a good thing we we didn't meet, you know, several years ago because I'm sure they wouldn't have gotten on with me so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just helped me um, grow a lot in terms of being more charitable um, to my brothers and sisters who have different theological convictions um, than I do. And uh, I think I think that's going to be helpful just moving forward, especially looking at, uh, I think, just 
how culture is continuing to respond to the church. Um, a lot of those non-salvific lines uh, that are important lines um, a lot of the time, uh, I think those are starting to get a little bit thinner. Um, and I think we're going to have to continue um, partnering together and, and standing in that trench uh, just with brothers and sisters uh, across all denominations. Yeah. yeah, amen. Yeah, I, I really considered RTS when I was going to seminary and I just could not make myself move to Florida. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't like Florida at all. Um, I, I don't like hot weather. Uh, I, I celebrate whenever I get to go home. It was negative 12 the last time I was home, uh, but it was a sunny and not windy negative 12. So it was gorgeous. Uh, and I'm not a beach guy. So there's really nothing about Florida that keeps me here, which I think is just a greater testament um, to how much I love RTS, yeah. uh, because that's, that's the only reason I'm still in Florida. So <laughs> that and God, of course, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I want to go back. I, I want to build upon, uh, kind of how you ended that last, uh, when you're talking about RTS and, and just ending, we, you're talking about this transformation you had from being like really probably overly dogmatic, right. Mm-hmm. Probably what some would call maybe like this cage stage little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then um, moving into a more like maybe kind of, ooh, I don't like using this word, but deconstructing, <laughs> but, uh, but that kind of an idea, but now we're kind of rebuilding and then figuring out where to be dogmatic about certain things. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a, a helpful thing. And one of the things that I've been talking about lately is so like my undergraduate degree was at a a ref, uh, it, they, well, they weren't even reformed. It was a Baptist Arminian dispensationalist college, right? So that was my mm-hmm. undergrad. And I was the, I would, everybody, every professor just knew me as the reformed guy who disagreed with <laughs> almost everything they believed, right? Yeah. Um, and I was still able to grow in that environment. And, and one of the beautiful things of being there, now there's downsides to that, mm-hmm. but one of the really powerful things was I learned that like I can be friends and have very strong disagreements with people and we can be brothers and we can unite around certain things and then disagree yeah. with other things. And there's this kind of weird idea that I've been seeing, not just through the Christian reform church, but, but in mm-hmm. the Christian reform church right now, where like, if we disagree with somebody, we obviously hate them. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, it's crazy to me because I've had like one of my best friends for a long time was like an open theist, right? Like mm-hmm. I would say like, I would never hire you in a church. I would never yeah. say you should be a pastor or a, or a church leader, but, but we're buddies. We can talk about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. The beautiful thing is he's moving from his open theism into a, into a really beautiful Calvinism, which has been. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to hear that too, but we could still be friends and disagree. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And I found really solid brothership. Um, brotherhood, like in my community, partnering alongside some of the local E-free pastors, mm-hmm. are, like solid with God's word. And we disagree on some things. Most of them are more Baptistic and yeah. but, but we, can, we can have good fellowship. We can walk alongside each other, encourage one another. And, and so there's this, the, the weird idea that we can, like, if we disagree on something, we're automatically kind of a hateful, disagreeable kind of a person. I think mm-hmm. it's crazy. And I'm not even sure where that where that comes from in our history of the CRC. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either. Uh, honestly, I, I'm part of the. I think part of it for me was uh, just growing up in the Midwest. I had so little exposure um, to people who had different theological opinions than me. Um, 
I mean, it wasn't until high school, uh, until uh, I encountered someone who openly was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this whole Christianity thing. Um, so I think that was, that was part of it. It was just growing up in that little bubble. Um, but I even joke with uh, a lot of my friends here um, that I was just, you know, being Dutch, that I was just born with correct theology. Uh, Cause they, they joke with, yo, you know, when I went through my, my Roman Catholic phase or when I went through my Pentecostal phase, like, yeah, I don't know what that's like. I, I was just, I was born with good theology, um, you know, by God's grace, of course, and uh, growing up in the tradition I did. But yeah, I think, I think part of that's just the reflection of, again, I, I hate to just keep comparing things to culture, but you know, now you're, you're not allowed to just disagree and, and still be friends anymore. And I think uh, that's, that's a really frustrating um, thing to see. And, it also, I think being friends too, um, with the people who, who we disagree with, I think it's less of this, oh, it's, we're not saying our lines aren't important. Um, we're like, you know, my Baptist friends and I, like, uh, I, I've said, I, I, I won't die on a hill that's not salvific anymore. Functionally, I will die on a couple hills because I'll, I'll never be convinced that yeah. infant baptism isn't biblical. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like to joke with them again that whoever gets to say, I told you so in heaven, like immediately after uh, we're going to say, Hey, let's go enjoy our savior face to face forever. Um, so it's, I think it's an over emphasis on these lines that are important. Um, but again, that aren't salvific. And uh, I think we're all potentially a little too proud of, you know, what our theological opinions are. Um, Sometimes just with, you know, church history has been going on for quite a while uh, and we, we haven't had a big consensus um, uh, throughout. And, you know, the word of God's like baby talk from an infinite eternal being to finite uh, and to finite creatures. And yet we still have a hard time understanding everything um, that's in the good book. So, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I think you're right as far as. Um, maybe, uh, this will, whatever, but this might anger some people, but, but there's kind of this lack of, lack of engagement with some of these other different beliefs and, and yeah. or, it's not even just beliefs. Well, it is beliefs in general. There's, you know, one, one of the things, um, I notice when I, this is going to sound random, but it'll fit. Um, <laughs> one of the things I notice when I, when I run into a lot of teenage boys mm-hmm. that really drive you a little bit crazy, um, and they seem really cocky and arrogant as they're actually overcompensating because they're also they're on uh, underneath they're absolutely insecure, right? Absolutely, so pretty insecure. So they're going around trying to prove that they're not insecure, and so then they're doing really really stupid things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they kind of grow up and become just more secure in who they are, they actually show a, a true confidence and kind of mm-hmm. become settled, right? And, and I think that's some of that what we've called cage stage a little bit. Yeah over the years with, with Calvinism. And, and actually, as we were just talking, I'm thinking there's almost this, another version of cage stage, um, but not in Calvinism, but there's like a cage stage wokeness going on right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Where, um, where everybody's just like, you need to be locked up in a cage for a little bit, calm down. And then we can mm-hmm. maybe have a helpful conversation about some of these things. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it comes from this almost insecurity. Mm-hmm. So like, at, like I remember being in my cage stage form of Calvinism where I was so annoying 
Um, and <laughs> partly because I didn't fully understand all these different positions. I wasn't settled in them. And so somebody mm-hmm. would attack it and yeah. you'd kind of freak. Right. And where now I'm at a point where I'm like, like I said, my, one of my closest friends was, was an, was an e-free pastor. And he just, every time we'd get together, he would try to poke me and try to, he wanted to get in a fight with me about stuff. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm not going to fight you on this. I, I feel comfortable. If you want to talk, we can talk, but yeah, if this is not, you're not going to hurt my identity. Cause I'm just kind of mm-hmm. settled in this. I've, yeah. I've wrestled through it. And so that kind of calms you down, but when you're not mm-hmm. really settled in those things and you haven't had all of those broad arguments with other people, mm-hmm. you're a little insecure, you kind of overreact. And so there's a benefit in just engaging with a lot of different people and kind of settling down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the way you said that was, was excellent. It's like this overconfidence and our lack of confidence. Um, and I think part of that too, is just in the, in the aging, growing, uh, and maturing, you also, you get more comfortable with some of the mystery, um, where I was, I was talking with one of my friends, um, uh, we've been, been friends since college. Uh, and I was talking to him the other day and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to come around to your side on predestination. And he's like, I had this, this talk with a pastor and he goes, you know, honestly, I, I can't tell you exactly why. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it, it might feel like it contradicts free will a little bit, uh, but you also have God's sovereignty. And I'm just going to rest in that mystery. Um, and he's like, you know, that was, that was probably the best way uh, that I heard someone put that. And he was just like, just that being comfortable in acknowledging we don't know everything. Um, but being comfortable and also confident in what we believe, just resting on God's word and how it's been revealed and taught to us. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. So, and a lot of that just comes again from, yeah, being in conversation and being, you know, this is something that conservatives probably don't talk about enough, but just being in relationship with people, right. Absolutely. Helps helps refine us. Um, so like for me too, I, I went through being really dogmatic about certain things and then entering into conversation with a couple of people who really disagreed with me and they would argue against me. And then they'd come up with arguments where I would be like, I have no idea what, yeah. maybe, maybe I am wrong. And then yeah. I, I can, I would read scripture and then I'd come back. But after that in, in interaction, then I became really firm in, mm-hmm. in a better way about mm-hmm. my convictions around yeah. Infant baptism and yep. predestination, all of those kinds yeah. of things that we all kind of wrestle through. Um, but after like be going back and forth and coming to God's word, then I came out on the other side with this kind of firm confidence, like, Oh, now I know where I'm at and mm-hmm. I feel good about it. And that was through relationship. And, and also then having that same level of patience with, with our other people that we engage with on a regular basis. And I'm, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm not, I'm not out there trying to, convert all of my, you know, Baptistic people to infant baptism. But if they want to have a genuine conversation, Mm -hmm. do that. Or we can tease each other. Sure. Absolutely. As we, as we should, as we should. We need to Uh, make fun of each other all the time, right? That's (laughs) one of the beauties of watching all the Ligonier panels is how they, how they make fun of Boston all the time. Right. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. No. And I think, like you said, I think it's in relationship that you're forced to engage because when you have that relationship, it's it's like safer, I guess, to engage with that, those things that you disagree with. Um, and then without that, like, unless you can sit in the shoes a little bit and say, okay, I think you're wrong, but I see where you're coming from. Or may, maybe saying that in the other, other order. I see where you're coming from. I still think you're wrong, but I understand that, like, you're using scripture um, to make a case. And it's not even necessarily a bad case. It's just 
um, you know, we just disagree. And I think that's, I think that's so important. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's a hundred percent relationship, uh, is, is how those conversations happen. Yeah. So now I want to move this into another conversation because some people, uh, listening to this might be getting a little nervous thinking, okay, well, we can just kind of agree to disagree on things, but, but there are some issues, right. Where we're not going to agree to disagree. So like Lincoln, where, where are you kind of learning to draw some of those lines on? These are things we can't agree to disagree on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough just in terms of like where the line is. Um, I think, you know, you have like your three tiers, I guess, of issues um, of like, you know, obviously we cannot disagree on salvific issues. Like first and foremost, when you're attacking foundations of the faith, um, you know, there can be, we concede no ground there. And then on the bottom, um, you know, what time is service? Uh, you know, what are you singing hymns or contemporary music? Are you acapella an organ? That's what everybody should be. Um, or a, a piano and a guitar, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think those it's very much okay um, to agree to disagree. And then I think it's in that middle section, um, just where that gray area is, because some of those middle section issues are closer to they're closer to salvific issues, but they're not salvific issues. And some of them are important, but they're closer to that third tier of issues. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty winsomely reformed now. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, very convicted about like my, my stance on infant baptism and I can have Baptist friends and there can be some type of, of partnership. Um, you know, in ministry with, with my Baptist friends, uh, in the future, um, you know, being, uh, being cordial and friendly with, you know, the Baptist church in town, whatever that may look like. Um, but also recognizing that that's like a line where even if we're not saying it's salvific, it's still an important line. Um, and you know, in that same question, I've had conversations with people who, um, you know, ask about, well, do I need to be baptized at all? Like, and then you get into the whole, well, does that actual, does the sacrament of baptism save you? Well, well, no, but if your desire is to not be baptized, then I think that calls into like salvific questions there. Um, so there's that, this is a, this is a weird answer. So I'm sorry. Uh, also just like, with the with the, with like the egalitarian uh, versus complementarian question. Um, some of my close friends at, at seminary are women who are pursuing ordained ministry. Um, I, you know, I don't hold that stance. Uh, you know, just looking at, at scripture, I'm, I'm more convinced there, uh, that, you know, Paul and, uh, others make that, that distinction on, on the gender line in terms of who's, um, who's called to, ordained ministry. Um, I can still be friends with, I can still engage with conversation uh, with my friends who I disagree with that on. Uh, But again, I think, I think we can agree to disagree there in a sense, but also hold our own line. Um, I don't know if that, if that makes sense where I can agree that you may have a differing opinion, but I can still hold my line and say, I'm not 
changing my denomination or we're not changing our denomination on this because this is an important line. It's something we founded in scripture. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's where that gray area might end where even if it's okay, if we agree to disagree, well, it's not okay for you to come and then try to change, you know, my denomination or my church or, or whatever it may be. I don't know if that, that answers your yeah. question, Jason. Well, it's such a hard question, right? I mean, yeah. because there are, um, like we all know that the salvific issues, right? This, like, yep. sorry, these are matters we can't change on. Absolutely. And that, like, that seems like a really clean, easy line, but we realize that that's not as clean and easy as you think. Cause what, what does, what is the salvific matter? Right. And, yeah. and Baptists, right. They almost, you know, sometimes they can get kind of wound up about baptism and say, well, you're not even, you know, that this could be a salvific matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different tiers. And um, as you were talking, I was trying to pull up some notes that I had taken a while ago because I was, um, I, I listened to a really good um, episode of Ask Pastor John. So Ask Pastor John Piper. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if anybody wants to go look at it, it's called The Expectations of Unity in a Pastor's Life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is, well, maybe that's not the title. No, Where Do You Draw Lines for Ministry mm. um, Partnerships? That's the name of the episode. And uh, And so he's talking about, okay, how do I draw lines in this? And how do I choose whether to be involved in ministry with, with someone or an organization or mm-hmm. whatever. And he really, I thought he did a really good job of explaining not just some of the theological lines, but he was saying like the closer you get down to like partnership and ministry, like what, what, how much theological clarity do you need to have or theological agreement just to be a, a fellow pastor with someone in a local church? Mm-hmm. Like that, that requires a real close alignment in theological. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I can tell you just from, not because I've hired anybody, but I've had a lot of friends again, who, who disagree theologically and they try to go be like a worship pastor in a church mm-hmm. and they don't align with them theologically. And it never works out ever. Yeah. Uh, within six months, they're gone every time. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is head on over to themessyreformation.com, look in the menu bar and find Join the Reformation. By clicking on that, you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right directly to your email inbox, and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Lincoln Russ. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.